Bibles, I want you to turn with me to the book of Genesis. And I'll, before we do that, I want to read something to you I think is rather interesting. Derek, five, came home from kindergarten uh, with a tooth in an envelope. Annette hugged him and told him that uh, they would put the tooth under his pillow that night for the tooth fairy. You might really expect me, I'm sorry, you really expect me to believe some funny looking person dressed in a pink tutu is going to come in my room at night, take my old tooth and leave a dollar? Derek asked. I'm in kindergarten now, Mom. I don't believe in baby stories anymore. Oh, no, Annette said. Well, if you don't believe in the tooth fairy, I guess we'll just have to throw away, uh, throw it away, and you won't get anything but a new tooth in its place. I am so sorry. I thought you were a believer. Annette walked out of the room, took the envelope with her, and a few minutes later, she heard Derek talking with Lisa, his sister. Derek, you dummy, Lisa said. Don't you know how many dollars I got from the Tooth Fairy? I got enough to buy a Barbie. Think of all the money you won't get. Think of the new Star Wars toy you want. A minute later, Derek came back to Annette, his mom, and said, hey, Mom, about that Tooth Fairy thing. I thought you meant the other fairy. You know, like Oz, I believe in a tooth fairy. I hope you still have that tooth of mine. Signed, sibling rivalries. Some people are willing to believe just about anything. But true faith will cost a believer something. In the book of Genesis, chapter 12, we're going to begin reading in verse 5. Say amen when you have it. Beginning at verse 5, it says, Now the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation. Everybody say, a great nation. And I will bless thee, and I will make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curses thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth, everybody say, be blessed. So Abraham stayed delayed. He wandered around and said, God, that sounds good, but am I reading something different? So the Bible says, Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed into Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered and the souls they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. They came into the land of Canaan. And Abram passed through the land and the place of Sichem and the place of Moron. And the Canaanite was there in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said unto, the, and said, unto thy seed I will give this land. And there built he an altar unto the Lord who had appeared unto him. And he removed from thence unto a mountain east of Bethel and pitched a tent, having Bethel on the west and Hai on the east. And there he built an altar unto the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. I would like to minister to you, share this message, this topic this morning. Just from this, this thought, uh, our destiny is in our view. And I would like to subtitle this, It Shall Come to Pass. I don't know what you've been struggling with in your faith, but I want you to know right now, it shall come to pass. 
the promises that God has made unto us as believers, unto us as a church, and unto the kingdom-wide as believers worldwide, I'm here to tell you right now, it shall, it shall come to pass. Pray with me now. Lift your voice with me right now. Father, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. For this your people, Father. For countless of believers, Father, throughout this region in Cincinnati, Father, throughout the world, for those listening to this, to this service live on our, on our internet, Father, to those, Lord God, in Seattle, Washington, to the Cummings family, to the Stewart family in Des Moines, Iowa, that's listening in right now. God, I thank you, Father, for what you're allowing us to, Lord God, feel in your presence. And I thank you for what you're about to allow us to receive. I pray now, Father, a blessing upon your people, Lord God. And I ask, Father, that you would do for us, Father, only that that you can do. Man cannot do it. I thank you now for the faith, Father, to rest in the bosom of every believer here, Father. I thank you, Lord God, for what you're going to use them to do, Father. I thank you for the lands that they're going to possess, Father. I thank you for the vineyards that they're going to possess, Father. I thank you, Lord God, for the medical degrees they're going to obtain. I thank you, Father, for the, the houses they're going to build. I thank you for the faith that you have put in them, Father. Yes, Lord God, to glorify your name. Now, God, I ask now in the name of Jesus, Father, that you will, Lord God, bless this service. And, Father, in the absence of our pastor, we ask, oh God, a refreshing upon him. Come on now, in the name of Jesus, we lift up our pastor. We pray, Father, Pastor Erson, Sister Erson, Heidi, right now, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the gift that you have given us, God. In the man of God, in the ushers, Father, we thank you now. Let your hand be upon them, Father, in this hour. Let your hand be upon us, Father, that every one of us may receive the assignment, Father, that you've destined us to receive this hour. And everyone said, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. When we begin to think about our favorite, more notable, mentioned Bible characters, there are a few or several that would, would come to mind before we were to mention probably Abraham in the Old Testament. If you were to ask me who is my favorite Bible character, without question, undoubtedly, my first would be Moses. How many would be Moses? It would be Moses. My first would be Moses. Reason being, you see Moses do something that no one else had done at that time. Moses defied the reigning monarch of his day, the largest kingdom of that day, and that he stood in the face of Pharaoh and told Pharaoh, God said to let my people go. It was a counterculture reaction to, to what was going on in that day. So Moses said that. And for that and many other things, he, he one of my favorite, one of my favorite characters. Another one would certainly be Joshua, because Joshua was to succeed, succeed Moses. But he shows us how, if we just learn how to hold our peace, that the Lord will fight our battles. Joshua conquered one of the largest kingdoms at that time, in that he conquered Jericho. And you know the story how they were commanded to go around that wall once each day. And on the seventh day, seven times in silence. But when they shouted, when they lifted up that voice on that seventh time and they shouted, something began to happen to the thing that was standing in front of them. There's something powerful 
about our praises. When the people of God lift up their voices, open up their mouth, and in spite of everything that they're facing, begin to worship and to praise God. You yourselves have experienced the liberty of the Lord this morning just by lifting up your voices and worshiping God. Isn't it amazing how sometimes just praising God, something resonates inside our spirit? And then what seemed to be an issue before no longer becomes an issue. What seemed to have been a problem at some time, that problem just seemed to dissipate just by, by praising and worshiping God. So, so Joshua shows us that. He tells us that. And he lives that. Well, many of us probably would, would choose David. I know there are many people in here that are fond of David. Because when we think of David, we think of how life has an expectation on it. But we see in David's life how there are problems that have an expectation date, an expectancy. So your problems have a limit of time to exist in your life. David shows us in the face of Goliath, a monarch, a, a huge monstrosity of a man. He shows us that even giants have an, an expectancy and a time for them to fall. And if you just exert the right amount of energy, if you just exert the right amount of faith, if you just do what God told you to do, I'm here to tell you, your giants will fall. Your giants will come down. Because no matter what the name of that giant is, that giant is designed to fall. I remember some time ago, I was in a Purple Institute class in Tennessee, and the teacher gave us assignments. We each had to have uh, uh, one of the villains of the Old Testament, per se, and we had to research that villain and to give a presentation on that villain uh, in a week or two after, after class or during class. Well, I had, uh, I would say, the fortunate uh, experience of having Goliath. And I found out that Goliath was somebody that was set up to fail by God. And by researching that, you know, Goliath was a child and from his youth up bred for battle. Goliath was ahead of the class when it came to fighting. And then, you know how it is, you know, when you're in kindergarten, everybody the same size, but when you hit the first grade, something just begins to happen. That second grade, something begins to happen. Third grade, God Almighty, I mean, he just kept going. So he stood out. But don't you know Goliath was set up to fail? Because when David showed up on the scene with all the words of intimidation he was using, here comes this little 16-year-old boy with a stone in his hand, and that thing that was standing in the face of Israel was brought down with one rock by a 16-year-old boy. Who? Oh, yeah, there's some things right now that are in the face of believers here today that you are designed by God to bring it down. There's some of us right here right now that are facing medical situations, facing challenges right now, even in our health. I'm here to tell you right now, that sickness has been set up to come down through you by the power of God in your life. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. There's some of us here today that are looking at lost loved ones, looking at family situations. I want you to know that God allowed that family crisis to arise. God allowed that situation to arise because he knew he had anointed you in the midst of your family, in the midst of our city, in the midst of our nation to bring that giant down. You need to look at that giant, wherever it is you're facing, and tell that situation you are about to come down. You need to speak boldness, amen, and let the Holy Ghost rise up within you and tell that situation that you're about to come down. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Some of us have teenagers. Some of us have loved ones. Amen. Amen. But going away, I'm here to tell you right now, face that giant and tell that giant in the name of Jesus, you are designed to come down. Oh, hallelujah. You need to learn how to fight. Come on, somebody. 
Too often we allow ourselves to cower under the pressure. We allow ourselves to be intimidated by the enemy. Well, David is one of my favorite characters because he teaches us that giants, giants do come down. Hezekiah is another interesting character in the Bible because Hezekiah was a man that, that teaches us it's okay to pray for yourself. Oh, hello, somebody. You know, we, we get these prayer requests, get these emails, pray for so-and-so, pray for this individual, pray for this situation, and we should pray. And if y'all ever see my name come up there, don't you dare not pray. <laughs> Whatever you don't do. If you just say, if you say Father, in Jesus' name, touch Fazel, that's, that's, that's enough for me. But if you see my name come across that email, Brother Jordan, you make sure you pray. <laughs> Amen. But Hezekiah teaches us that it's okay to pray for yourself. The prophet Isaiah came to him and told him to get yourself in order. You're going to die. Now, that's a prophet. That's a prophet telling you you're going to die. He could have settled and just accepted that situation and said, oh, my goodness, man, my life insurance ain't even paid up right now. You know, I got to. But that's not what happened. The Bible tells us that he turned his face to the wall and he reminded God of the type of servant that he was. He reminded God of what he had did for him while he was in the best of his health. And because he reminded God, because he prayed for himself, the Bible tells us that God told Isaiah to go back and tell Hezekiah, I had just added to him 15 more years simply because he prayed for himself. I'm telling you, he didn't pray for himself for him to get that best car, best car, that, that beautiful house. He prayed for himself that God would remember his days and, and remember what he has done in the kingdom. Isn't that interesting? Amen. How the Bible didn't talk about his possessions. He didn't pray about how, how fat his bank account was. He didn't remind God of all the cars and possessions he had. He didn't remind God of anything like that. He just reminded God of his service and all that he had done for the kingdom of God. Oh, come on, somebody. That's why I know if I ever get in trouble and some prophet come to me and tell me, Fazel, your days are number. Get your house in order. I'm going to turn my face to the wall and remind God of everything that I've done for him. Come on, somebody. This is why you need to get it out of home Bible study training and just turn and just remind God, God, I've been faithful to your house. God, I've reached out for people. God, we serve your kingdom. Come on. This is why every usher ought not be afraid to serve God with passion. This is why every preacher, amen, should not be afraid to serve God with passion. This is why every evangelist, every prophet, every man, Sunday school servant and teacher should not be afraid to serve God with passion because sometimes life hands you something. All you've got to do is go to God and remind God, look, God, this is what I'm doing for that name. And I promise you God will take notice of it and turn that situation around because Hezekiah gives us precedent in Scripture. Hey, man, I, I know we're probably excited about that, but, but, man, you can't go through the Old Testament or through the Bible without mentioning Elijah. Elijah. Because when you think about Elijah, you've got to remember that this brother, amen, called fire down from heaven. You know, I, 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 you know come on now. I, 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 I like, you know, animation. I like movies. I, I like things like that. But I like people that know how to move the kingdom of God. I, I, I just like hearing stories about, hey man, how men and women of God of old man, served God and made a difference in the kingdom of God. Come on, somebody. They were not cowering under pressure. They were not afraid of the government of their day. They, did not, they were not concerned with the policy changes in the Trump presidential office. They were, uh, you know, they, 
I'm just trying to make sure y'all heard me, right? You know, they, they were not afraid of those things. They were not intimidated by those things, but they trusted God in the midst of it all. They didn't care, amen, what family life was doing. They trusted God. They didn't care what policy was being enacted or taken away. They trusted God because in the midst of it all, God is showing us that if you stand up for me, I will stand up for you. Too many of us, come on somebody, too many of us, amen, are giving in to some things. Too many of us allowing that pressure, amen, to change our opinion on something. But I want you to know God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he does not change. But when you think about Abraham, Abraham intrigues me because Abraham does something that, that this just astounds me. And here's what he does. Abraham, without incentive, without provocation, without fear of consequences or threat, Abraham obeys God. And by obeying God, amen, we all became benefactors of one man's obedience. Hello, somebody. Now, this is, this is what I mean by that. Let me, let me digress really quick. Yesterday in a home Bible study we had here at the, at the church at 12, we were talking about the blood. How many was there for that Bible study? Amen. Amen. We were talking about the blood. And in the blood, we saw that when Israel got ready to come out of Egypt, that Pharaoh, after all those other plagues, refused to let the people of God go. But when God told him to take to them every man a lamb, he told him to take that lamb, amen, in the 10th month and keep it until that 14th day. He said that that lamb was to represent, amen, the lamb of Jesus Christ. He told them that they were to slay that lamb in the midst of the congregation, and they were to take that lamb and they were to roast it with fire, with bitter herbs, with unleavened bread. They were to eat it in haste with their shoes on the feet, with their staff in their hand, because it is the Lord's Passover. And here's what the word of God says. For when I pass through the land of Egypt this night, I will smite the firstborn, both man and beast but when I see the blood I will pass over you and the plague should not be upon you when I smite the land of Egypt don't you know there's something powerful amen about the blood being applied so here's what we found out yesterday that if let's just use this front row let's just say for instance amen I was a firstborn amen of my household and brother Marcus was my son per se and he was a first my firstborn and let's say brother Marcus had a son and brother Charlie was his firstborn let's say brother Charlie had a, was had a son and brother Enos was his firstborn potentially because of one man's disobedience by not applying the blood a whole generation of people was just wiped out simply because they did not apply the blood and it went on from there he said both man and beast so let's say brother Marcus had a cow and that was the first cow amen that came forth from the fold and let's say that calf the cow had a calf and brother Charlie had the first calf from that fold and let's say brother Enos had the cow of the calf that came from brother Charlie because the blood was not applied he lost his well-being he lost his well-being and now we got to eat pork ribs because the beef is gone come on somebody Because a whole generation was impacted because of one man's disobedience by not applying the blood. So we saw the importance of applying the blood. So Abraham teaches us something about the importance of, everybody say, obedience. Because it's only through obedience where our faith is truly exemplified, where people know and God knows that I am a believer. You could be a believer, amen, and nobody will ever know because we don't see your faith in action. Come on, somebody. Whoo! I, 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 I don't have my car keys on me right now. Hey, man, I need somebody. Brother Jamie, man, let me get my car keys because I'm about to get myself in trouble and I'm about to get ahead of it real quick, okay? Just be ready. Because what happens most of the times in believers' life, we're content with just the expression of our worship in the house of God. And that's important and it's in order. 
oftentimes we're content with just our presence in the house of God. Well, it's important and it's in order. But the only way for God to know that you are truly a believer is somewhere in your life faith is activated and being expressed. Because it's only through your faith being activated and being expressed does God know that you're a believer? Do people around you know that you're a believer? That the world knows that you're a believer? And because you're a whole generation of people's lives are now being changed because you're living a believer's life. Come on, somebody. We've got to understand what power, amen, is in us when we walk to walk and talk to talk. This is why it's so important that we understand the authority of the name of Jesus, amen, that's given us by revelation. Come on, this is what I want you to understand. Jesus is not a second or third person in some trinity. Jesus is not a second person in some polytheistic view. Jesus is the only one, King of kings and Lord of lords. So when I walk in his way, when I walk in his way, and when I proclaim that name that is above every name, something in my life, amen, begins to take authority and the name of Jesus is exalted. Why? Because I'm living a life of a believer. Come on, saints of God. Aren't you tired of just living, just existing? Well, God tells us in his word and Abraham shows us, amen, the power that's released in us when we live the believer's life. So he shows us through this expression Abraham does. He does something where he intrigues me simply because without incentive, Abraham obeyed God. It wasn't like Abel. One might suggest, and I had the, I would say, misfortune or experience of having a couple religious classes at a secular college, Wright State University. Uh, my first two was by a Methodist professor who had his doctrine in theology. And let me tell you something. We had some church in that college classroom. I'm here to tell you right now. We had a wonderful time. Well, my next two, I had the unfortunate experience having an English major, a historian major, uh, as the instructor of a religious course, a biblical course. And so sometimes I can be accused of seeing things that, that other people may not see, you know, sort of dyslexic when you look at scriptures. But this is something that stood out to me. It may stand out to you, but it stood out to me. The Bible tells us of Abel, and it says that Abel was one who offered up a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. And by that, the book of Hebrews tells us that he became a righteous man named in scripture. Hebrew tells us about faith. Abel offered up to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, and by which he obtained a witness that he was righteous. God testified of his gifts, of him uh, being dead, yet speaketh. Now, what stood out to me is that Abel, who was the son, who, who was he the son of? He was the son of, see, that's why y'all need to come to Bible studies on Saturday. I should know that one. <laughs> he was the son, he was the son of, of, of Adam and Eve, right? And so, you know, sometimes when you're, when you're close to an experience, it has a tendency to resonate in you more than it would be if it was years down the road. So, so, so Abel, I, I'm just seeing this, Abel had an incentive to obey God, possibly be because, you know, the, the wrath of God, because of the, the fall of his father, the wrath of God could possibly come upon him and impact his life. It was by faith. I'm not taking that away, but, but possibly. Just, just, just journey with me for a second. Just journey with me, possibly, because he had an incentive. 
You know, let me qualify that. It's, it's just like, you know, if you're a parent, you know, and, and you know, you want your, your son or daughter to clean their room, you know, and then you tell them, well, look, if, if you clean your room, you know, we'll, we'll go to Chuck E. Cheese, or if you clean the room, we'll go to Rita's, or if you clean the room, we'll go with Brother Charlie to Buffalo Wild Wings, you know, you, 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 you give them that incentive because you want them to do something. Well, well Abel had, had somewhat of, of an incentive, of an incentive because he saw what, what his father didn't do. So he had an incentive. Another one that stood out to me was Noah. Noah had an incentive because the Lord told him the end of all flesh has come. And, and there's something about that voice that resonates in, you know, you know some, sometimes people claim to hear God and you know they don't. Just let that marinate for just a second. But Noah actually heard from God. Noah heard from God and God told him the end of all flesh has come. So you can imagine his motivation. I'm made of flesh too. And his motivation was, if God says build an ark, I'm made of flesh, end of all flesh has come, I got to get busy working on something that's going to deliver me. That's a message inside for somebody else, but I've got to go to work on something that's going to deliver me. So Noah did that. So Noah, moved, the Bible tells us, moved with fear to the preparing of the ark, to the saving of his family. So, so Noah became a benefactor of his own incentive, so to speak, because the Lord was about to destroy the world. But, but Abraham is, is a different kind of character. Abraham, without provocation, without incentive, without threat or harm or, or anything like that, Abraham, the Bible tells us, heard from God, and, and the Bible tells us that he obeyed. Now, this is really interesting because Abraham was a person, an individual that already was in possession of things. This is what blesses me so much when I see us that may not have everything, amen, but obey God. And I see those that have a great wealth, amen, represented, amen, and they obey God. Well, Abraham in that day, amen, became the forefather, amen, of our faith simply because he was in possession of something. He had material possessions. He, the Bible says that he had silver and gold. Abraham was in a good position. Abraham really did not need to leave where he was to prosper because he already was prospering. But it's something about hearing what God expects you to do and then exercising faith in doing what God expects you to do. I could sit still all day long and say, God, I believe you. Well, God doesn't know I believe him because my posture is not reflecting what I'm saying I believe. Hey, man, I could be in possession of the greatest talents and gift, amen, that a human being could have. Well, that does not mean anything if I'm not using my talents and gift to glorify God. Amen. God does not get any glory by me sitting still. God does not get any glory by me not exercising my gifts. God does not get any glory by me not serving the kingdom of God. God does not get any glory. I'm helping you right now, volunteer. God does not get any glory by me not helping out in youth ministry. God does not get any glory by me not helping out in Sunday school. God does not get any glory by me not helping out in Bible studies. God does not get any glory by me not helping out in the ushering, not helping out in the parking lot, not helping out in ministry. God does not get any glory of that. But when I step out by faith, the Bible says, whatever your hands find to do, to do it with all thy might unto the Lord. I may not know necessarily what my gift is. I may not know necessarily what my assignment in life is. Is, but I know there's something that I can do, amen, to glorify the name of the Lord and the body of Christ, amen, is magnified. And now here it is. All the parts are working together. Why? Because I chose to exercise my faith and obey what God called me to do. And not just that, I see that there is a need. So, so Abraham does something without provocation, already in possession of silver and gold, already in possession of lands, already in possession of servants, Abraham, the Bible tells us, obeyed. And because Abraham obeyed, hey man, he shows us the importance of walking life out 
by faith. There's an article in the Reader's Digest, and this is what it says. It says this, and this was in 2001. It said, I've always amazed, he says, I'm always amazed at the, the different ways two people can view the same event. He says, some people are the proverbial little engine that could. He said, while others are chicken little, their sky is always falling. Y'all know those. Psychologists say that pessimists and optimists have two different ways of viewing life. He said the pessimist thinks of events will last as long, a long time and will undermine everything else in life. The, effect of, the effects are permanent and far-reaching. On the other hand, an optimist amen, believes the effect of a bad event will be short-lived and not at all, not affect of all other things. If I had, this is what he says, Arthur says, he said, if I had to pick between two extremes, I'd choose optimism any day. But really there is a third option, a third choice I would prefer. He says that, that is to be the person of faith that may not understand why or what is going on in their, his or her life, but God is in charge and knows that at the end of everything, God's will will be done according to his plan. This is what he says, and he makes a scripture, reference Romans 8 and 28, and he says this, that we know that all things work together for them that are called, the called, according to his purpose. I know we don't see some things unfolding. I know we can't directly observe through some telescope, telescope, whatever that thing is, you know, to see down into the future and begin to tell exactly how this event is going to unfold in my favor but I'm here to tell you right now it's something very powerful about knowing that in the beginning it was God and in the end that is God and as a believer everything in between is God that's the only thing we need to know so he does so and he tells us this so Abraham does the two things he leaves his father's home his house his homeland and his culture I want you to follow me on this he leaves his culture everybody says his culture he takes an optimistic and obedient approach to the call of God, and his attitude reflects that. He started with God, and he, in his spirit, he says it's going to end with God. Now, this is why it resonates with us in the New Testament. He says this. Paul said this in Galatians 2 and 20. He says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And he says this, a life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The second thing he does is, unlike us, when God calls us, he shook off the former things of his culture, amen, and he, he does something what my professor defines as assimilation. Now, assimilation is this process, and I want you to catch this. Assimilation is a process in which uh, the letting go of one's culture and the origin while incorporating the values and norms and behaviors of the majority or the dominant culture. Do you follow me? Abraham leaves his culture. He leaves what was dominant, and this is what he does. He begins to incorporate the values and the norms and the behaviors of the majority culture. He does not do what some people say, I want the kingdom of God, but just let me take a little bit of this with me. I want the kingdom of God this way, but let me take a little of this with me. That's not what he does. The Bible tells us, amen, that Abraham left his father's land. He left his possessions. He left his security. He left his culture, and he began to assimilate the principles, values, and norms of the kingdom. This is why it's so important that we as believers, amen, stay in our word, because the more that we're in our word, the more our culture begins to dissipate. The more that we are in the word of God, the more or the less our culture has an impact upon our lives. So this is what he does. He takes the assimilation route. That means this here, because of the environment that 
he came from. It spoke certain things. It believed certain things. It acted a certain way. But now I understand that I am walking with the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the maker of the heavens and earth. And now God is telling me that you've got to leave the old things behind. Behold, I've made you new. All things are new. Your attitude is new. Your language is new. The way you walk is new. The way you talk is new. The way you believe is new. Why? Because I'm leaving that old culture behind and now I'm walking towards the promises, amen, that reflect the life of the believer. This is our challenge. Oh, let me go a little deeper because even with that, because we said this before, because we come from so many different congregations and assemblies and methodologies across the city and even across the nation, there is a certain way, a certain belief that we have towards a certain thing. There's a certain belief we have towards ministry. There's a certain belief we have towards service. There's a certain belief we have towards everything pertaining to the church. And most of that belief is coming from where we once were. It's not necessarily existing in this house and there are no bad things necessarily, but sometimes we've got to understand that in order for this body to exist and thrive I've got to allow the assimilation of this culture to take place in my heart to take place in my home to take place in my family to take place in my spirit and allow the promises of God amen to be in us what God desires for it to be here's the thing when we leave that thing we have choices to make those choices reflect the fact that I am trusting God with something that I haven't trusted God with before. How do you know that? The Bible tells us that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Well, how is faith functional if I don't live it out? How is faith expressed if I don't live it out? Now, what is faith? Faith tells us by definition is the assurance. Faith is the belief. Faith is a confidence. Faith is a trust. The Bible tells us in one definition, faith is a total reliance upon the things of God. This is what that means. I'm leaving one place and I'm heading to another. I'm leaving everything that was and I'm going to what will be. I'm looking at everything that's behind me and I'm looking down to that promised land, to the land flowing with milk and honey, to the land with houses I didn't build, to the land with fields I didn't plant, to the land that God had promised vineyards. Here's what that looks like. In the Old Testament, that was one culture. Here in the New Testament, amen, as this nation, as this current, current culture, amen, it means this right here. That means that there are some things that God has chosen to allow his expression in my life to be exemplified on certain platform levels. Hello, somebody. Let me put it in everyday terms. You were once, amen, a college student. Well, in a college student, you had to express all that God had led you to express all that you knew on that college level. Well, when you got graduated college, you got your first job. And in that job, God allowed you, amen, to come in contact with other people that did not know him and did not understand him and did not value the things that his word values. Well, in that culture, you begin to have an impact. And now what happened? You're the CEO of that company or you're the doctor right now, amen, in your medical school. And so here it is now. God put you on a platform. So now you can be a direct expression on that next level. Do you follow me? At this level, we all got to walk where God calls us to walk. At this level, we all got to express what God calls us to express. And at this level also, we all got to express what God has called us to express. It's understanding maturity and understanding the application of faith because faith does not stand still. So in order for you to understand that God wants to bring forth something in your life, you've got to understand how powerful faith is in your life. Come on, somebody. Oh, help me out, somebody. I feel like I'm preaching to the choir, and I just may be. But it's important to understand this, 
that in order for God to see and the world around me to see the expression of God in my life, I've got to understand how powerful my faith is. The Bible tells us through faith, amen, they subdued kingdoms. Well, what does that look like? That means this right here. All of a sudden, the culture in my environment begins to change. Why? Because you're on the scene. What does that look like? That means that all of a sudden, the culture in my community begins to change. Why? Because you're on the scene. And so the more you walk and live out your faith, the more that culture changes, the more that environment becomes subdued to the power and the presence of God in your life. This is why you need to be in Bible study training. Oh, come on, somebody. It's about where God wants us to take. It's about where God wants us to be. And taking one step at a time. Understanding that I can have one impact or I can have a larger impact. It's just understanding the level in which I'm exercising my faith. Don't you know at one point, hey man, you believe God, hey man, for, for, for the car? And what happened? God gave you that car. Why? Because God wanted your faith to grow. Because God knew that you believed him and by him doing that for you, you allowed, he allowed you to see just how, how, how powerful he was with, with that, that little bitty Volkswagen Jetta. He, he allowed you to, oh, come on, this, this is where he allowed you to see that. Well, well, God does things in us and for us because he wants our, our faith to grow because he wants us to see the impact that he's going to have on this world. Hear what I'm telling you. The more we express our faith, the Bible tells us faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. The more we express our faith, the more God puts us in position so that faith is expressed. Do you follow me? So in, so, so in other words, I can function and be exactly where God wants me to be at this level. But at this next level, I've got to function even higher. I've got to allow my faith to be expressed even stronger. Why? So in order for the kingdom of God to go forward, it's a matter of trusting God and allowing the purpose and the plan of God to be expressed in our life. Abraham does that for us. He does that for us. He shows us exactly how important it is for us to walk by faith and not by sight. He shows us just how important it is for us to trust God and lean not to our own understanding. He shows us just how important it is for us to acknowledge him in all of our ways, and he certainly will direct our path. Here's why. Here in this house today, there's a miracle that's about to come forth. Huh. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And the reason being is because there is an expectation of faith resting now in the spirit of believers that are in this house right now. Here, here's why, here's why, here's why. We can live Amen. And be effective and glorify God. Amen. But I'm tired of just being a pew warmer. I want to see the power of God. Come on, somebody. In the midst of his people. And the only way for us to see the power of God in the midst of our people is to call out a miracle. Is to call out a need that needs to take place and have faith and trust God for that to happen. Glory to God. Now, I don't want you to be afraid right now. Amen. Because I'm a little amped right now. I'm telling you right now, the presence of the Lord is in here right now. And God is wanting to move on your behalf. Is there anyone in here right now that's sick in their body? Diabetes, cancer, glaucoma. We got to be the most healthiest congregation. Come on up, my sister. Come on up, Sister Kim. Grab that walker, grab that cane, and run up here. Come on up, Sister Harrison. You're about to witness a miracle. You're about to witness a miracle right now. Come on, bro. Come on, bro. Oh yeah, 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 oh yeah. 
Oh yeah, step forward a little bit. There's going to be a whole mess of people behind you. When you get what God's going to get for you, faith is going to rise. There's going to be a whole mess of people behind you. Once God does for you what he's going to do. Here it is right now. It's not just, come on up, Brother Jordan. It's not just enough for me, hey man, to believe God for me, but I've got to believe God for those needs that exist around me. Come on, somebody. So that means this here. If there is an individual in my family, community, work environment that has a need in their life, they may not never come to this church. But because I know that God can do any and all things and nothing is too hard for God. How many believe that? Nothing is too hard for God. This is what's going to happen. Hey, Babosa, this is what's going to happen. I'm asking you now to come and stand proxy to stand in the place of that loved one, that coworker, that person in your community on their behalf so God can move up on you and touch them. Come on, somebody. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Step forward a little bit. There's going to be a mess of people behind you. Once God does for you what he's going to do. Oh, yes. That's what's about to happen. That's what's about to happen. Come on. This is what the believer's life is all about. This is not just about me and my possessing. It's just not about me obtaining and acquiring the thing that I want. Come on. This is about the kingdom of God being manifested. This is about the promises of God. Excuse me. It's about the promises of God being made known in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Straight across this board. Come on. Straight across the front of this church. This is what's about to happen. One second. One second. For you ministers, you elders, come on. Come on, this is work day. Bishops, ministers, elders, this is work day. Come on, this is not our day. Bishop, ministers, and elders, this is work day. This is work day. Please listen to me. Please listen to me for just a second. Please listen to me. Here is how you express faith. Here is how you express faith. Here is how you express faith. You express faith by believing in your spirit that the very thing that's about to flow out of your mouth, that God's going to manifest it in your body. Those first, uh, yeah, baha, those first that just came up here that trusted God, that said, I need this healing, you are about to receive the first touch before everybody else does. We're going to do things in order. Come on up, elder. In the name of Jesus, why don't you pray for somebody in just a second. Those that came up first, I want you to turn, I want face the altar, keep facing the altar. And the man or the woman of God, I need some intercessor, women intercessors. Sister Jordan, I don't see you. Come on, uh, Sister Bula, come on, I need some more. Sister Enos, uh, Sister Connie, I need some women intercessors. Sister Rodriguez, come on, Sister Marie, uh, Marie, come on, I need some women intercessors. Come on, because this is what's about to happen. For you all that came up and said you need a touch in your body, I want you to turn, come up front, I want you to turn to those, amen, that are beginning to pray with you, and I want you to tell them what that need is. Do not be afraid, do not be shy about it. Open your mouth and tell them what that need is. Tell them what that need is right now, come on. Tell them what that need is. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm tired of playing church. I'm tired of playing church. Healing is resident right now. There's a miracle resident right now. You got the need? You got the need? You got the need? Come on. Now, this is what you say. Listen to me. This is what you say. I need somebody up here helping, Sister Connie. This is what you say. Man of God, as you begin to pray, you pray by faith in the name of Jesus. But this is what you say, whatever that need is, whatever that sickness, whatever it is, was just made known, you speak to it and you command it in the name of Jesus. Don't say, Lord bless, Lord bless, Lord bless. You take authority right now and say in the name of Jesus, cancer, I call you out right now. 
Come on, you say in the name of Jesus. Heart disease, I call you out right now. You say in the name of Jesus. Diabetes, I call you out right now. Come on. Now the rest of us, before we begin to pray, I want you just to worship. Just begin to worship. Just begin to worship. Just begin to worship. Hey, there's a miracle right now. It's on you right now. You don't have to beg. You don't have to plead. Just take authority over that thing. Come on. You don't have to beg. You don't have to plead. Just take authority over that thing. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. It's happening right now. It's happening right now. Come on. It's happening right now. In the name of Jesus. I call it right now. I call it right now. I rebuke arthritis in the name of Jesus. I command carnage in the name of Jesus to repair itself. I command carnage in the name of Jesus to replace itself. I command your body in the name of Jesus to be healed. Yeah. 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 Receive it right now. Ha, come on. Come on, no, 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 come on. Come on, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. It's not a lot of counsel. Come on, in the name of Jesus. Take authority. In the name of Jesus, take authority. In the name of Jesus, take authority. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's right, Brother Cedric. That's right, come on. That's right, Sister Cassandra. Come on, that's right, Brother Zach. Come on. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on. Come on. Here. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now. Now. Now, listen. I want you to hear me. Listen to me, please. Listen to me, please. Listen to me, please. Just hold up for one second. Listen to me, please. I want you to hear me. As you begin to pray, listen to me. As you begin to pray, here's what happens. Here's what happens. Healing, look at this way, look this way. Healing is just now resident in your body. Faith has brought forth healing in your body right now. Right now. Healing is present in your body. And whatever the issue is, whatever that issue is, it's no longer there. Whatever that issue is, hear me, it's no longer there. Ah, Sister Catrice, I want you to hear me. You command, listen please real quick. Listen, just listen for a second. Hear me, I want everybody to hear me. Hear me. You've grown comfortable. We have grown comfortable with accepting certain circumstances that God has exposed to us. God never exposed them to us for us to get comfortable in them. God exposed them to us for us to take authority over them. Ha! That's what the believer's life is all about. Hear me. Hear me one second, please. Hear me one second. Hear me one second. This is why. This is why you command that cancer in your father. Hear me. You command that cancer in your father. Come on now. She's standing. Hear me, men of God. 
You over there ministering, I don't want you to miss it. I don't want you to miss it. I don't want you to miss it. I'll, quietly, quietly, quietly. That's right. In your words of understanding. In your words of understanding. Here. This is what you're going to see this week. Here's what you're going to see. Sister Catrice's father, Paul Wilson. Listen, I want you to hear me while you're praying. Just pray quietly to yourself because you're going to miss an opportunity for your faith to grow. Please hear me. Please hear me. Last Pentecost Sunday service, two Pentecost Sunday service ago, Sister Catrice, her husband, and Sister Pamela Trimble and I were at Home Bible Study Certification Course. Six-week training that's going to be at the connect point for you to sign up for. Hello, everybody. We were in training. After a Saturday training, please hear me, please hear me. After a Saturday training, Sister Trimble walked out, and Brother and Sister Davenport and I just began to linger around, begin to fellowship with one another. God allowed a prophetic word that very day to come forth concerning her father. I never had met her father at that point. I never met him. Two, three weeks ago, two, two, three weeks after that, we had Pentecost Sunday service. Listen, around right where Sister Tracy is standing right now, her father and his wife were sitting right there. I had never met him before. I saw a little baby, I wasn't sure. I said, I mean, it's kind of old to have a little baby like that. I didn't know that was her grandson. And I went up to him, I said, did, did you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost? He said, no. I said, would you like to? He said, yes, his wife said, yes. We begin to pray, neither one of them received the Holy Ghost. Neither one of them did. And I said, have you ever had a Bible study on the Holy Ghost? Come on, somebody. He said, I hadn't. So we made arrangements to have a Bible study on Tuesdays here at the church on the Holy Ghost, Jesus' name, baptism, oneness of God, the importance of the Word of God. So we had a Bible study. In our second Bible study was on the blood, the importance of water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. I said to Paul, Brother Wilson, I said to him, I said, is there anything hindering you from expressing your faith today and being baptized in Jesus' name? He said, well, I guess not. I said, well, are you willing to repent of your sins? He said, yes. We bowed our heads and began to pray a prayer of repentance, weeping in tears. It's on a Tuesday. I'm at the church. He's at the church. And nobody else is here. I begin immediately to send out text messages, hey, we're about to baptize this brother. We're about to baptize this brother. Brother Thomas is at work. Sister Catrice is at work. I got him up in the pool. I changed. He changed. I put them on the cell phone. I called them, or they called me. We put it on speaker. I baptized their father in the name of Jesus Christ. He came up out of that water speaking in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. He did. He did. He did. Hear me. Hear me. Hear me, cancer's about to rebuke, ha, and you're gonna see the miracle. You're gonna see the miracle. Before we get to that, hear me. There are those of us that have been here and have heard the importance of expressing our faith through obedience of the gospel. There are those of us that are here right now that have witnessed that truth, have witnessed the gospel. And I say to you today, is there anything here that's hindering you from obeying the gospel and expressing your faith? Is there anything? Do you believe that baptism in the name of Jesus Christ takes away our sins? Don't you know that that name is the authority that applies the blood of Jesus Christ to our lives, to our sins, and by that name and that name only are our sins washed away? Don't you know that's possible and important? That's the gospel. That's the gospel. 
And if you are here today, you've never repented of your sins, lift your hands right now, everyone in this house right now. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, of everything I've said, everything I've done, and the way that I've behaved, and the attitude I had, and the hatred in my heart, and the disobedience to your word, God, right now, from sins of omission, sins of commission, things that I've done, things that I didn't do, I'm asking you now. I'm asking you now to forgive me. I'm asking you now, Lord God, to take it away, God. I'm asking you now, Lord Jesus. Come on, everybody, just repent right now. Come on, everybody, just repent right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Now, here's the next thing. My message title, I had no idea the Spirit of the Lord was going to lead us in this direction. But my message title was, It Shall Come to Pass. That was my message title. I had no idea the Lord was going to move like this. But the next thing we're about to see right now is that cancer in her father's life dissipate, dry up, and it's going to leave his body. Come on. His name is Paul Wilson. When you're praying, you take authority over cancer. When you're praying, you bind the spirit of infirmity in the name of Jesus. You've got to know how to pray and take authority in the name of Jesus. Come on, Sister Catrice, right now. Come on, Brother Thomas. In the name of Jesus Christ. That's right, that's right, that's right. That's right, Mother. That's right, that's right. It's in your daddy and it's gone. It's in your daddy. Come on, everybody. It's in your daddy and it's gone. It's in your daddy and it's gone. It's in your daddy no longer. God just tried it up. God just tried it up. He let up behind Because he is a healer. Because he is a deliverer. Because he is a savior. It's dried up. It's no longer there. It's no longer there. It's no longer there. Now listen. Now listen. Just begin to worship God for the victory right now. Come on, everybody. Just begin to praise God right now for the miracle that the Lord just did. Come on. No, 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 no. Lift your voice. Lift your hands and worship the Lord for what he just done. Thank you, Jesus. It's already done. It's already done. Now listen. I want you to hear me. I want you to hear me. Living a believer's life. Please hear me. Please hear me. Living a believer's life is going to cost you something. Living a believer's life is going to cost you something. You're not just going to do your own thing. We're not just going to live our own way. Living a believer's life, it's going to cost us something. But I want to be used of God, don't you? I want to be used of God. I don't just want to exist. I don't just want to be a tire pair. I want to live the believer's life. This is what living the believer's life look like. It looks like you calling out sicknesses, calling out diseases, going to hospital rooms, going to nursing homes, visiting the sick and shut-in, reaching out for those that do not know salvation, that do not know the power of the name of Jesus Christ. That's what living a believer's life look like. Come on, somebody. Now this next touch, hear me. This next touch right now, right now, is for those of you 
better stand in a proxy for someone else. I want you to come forward. Make your way to the front. Make your way to the front. If you're standing right now in proxy for someone else, I want you right now to begin to pray for them. In the name of Jesus, just one second. Just one second. Brother Aaron and his wife, I need somebody to stand in proxy for them. That baby girl is already a miracle. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hear me. Hear me. You don't doubt. You don't fear. You don't question how it's going to happen. It's not up to you to figure out how it's going to happen. It's up to you to believe. It's not up to you to make it happen. It's up to you to believe. It's not up to you to do anything but believe. Now, if the Lord leads you to go to that home, to go to that mother, to go to that friend, to go to that nursing home, to go to the hospital ward, to go to ICU, NICU, if the Lord leads you, you go in the boldness of the name of Jesus Christ. I want you to hear me. Please hear me for just a second. Hear me for just a second. Listen to me. Listen to me. I knew God was a healer. I knew God was a healer. And in 19, whatever, 1980, 81, my senior year in high school, my mother used to have these chills. It would be summertime, she would be cold. She would be chilling. If it was winter, having chills in her body. If it was winter, we would have to get two or three blankets to cover up because of chills. But I knew God was a healer. My mother called me in the bedroom one day and she said, Fazel, she kept anointing oil on the dresser. And she said, Fazel, get that anointing oil and come pray for me. She said, I can't take this. These things are bothering me. And I was so frustrated. He when my mother experiencing this pain, this difficulty, experiencing these chills, something rose up in me. And something reached for God like I had never reached for God before. I had never anointed anybody with oil before. I'm a high school student. I grabbed that anointing oil off my mother's dresser. She's laying in bed. I went to the bed and I said, in the name of Jesus, yeah, my heart, healing is received. I said, in the name of Jesus, chills, get out, go away. I didn't know protocol. <laughs> I didn't know much scripture. But God honored my word. My mother died in 2000. This was almost 20, 30 years, whatever it was after that. You do the math, I'm not a mathematician. After that, until the day she died, she never had one more chill. Till the day she died, it had never entered her body again. Why? Faith works. Jesus will honor your faith. I'm here to tell you right now, Jesus will honor your faith. Why sit here till we die? Why sit here till we die? Hey, but God has released power in our lives. Why sit we here depriving ourselves of the miracle God wants to bring? Why sit we here comfortable? In the name of Jesus, lift your hands right now. Lay your hands on him right now for that grandbaby right now. Total recovery. Come on right now in the name of Jesus. Total recovery right now. Her lungs, her brain, her heart, her liver, every organ, every organ in her body. Ah! Every organ in her body. 
We command in order now. We command it coming order now. We command it coming order now. Thank you, Jesus. Now listen. Now listen. You're standing in proxy. You're standing in proxy for somebody. I need somebody in agreement with you right now. If you're standing in proxy for somebody, I need you to be in agreement with somebody. Sister with a sister, brother with a brother right now. Come on, let's move, let's move, let's move. Come on, don't be satisfied. Come on, Brother Aaron. Come on, there's a power of faith in you, Brother Aaron. There's a power of faith in you. Thank you, Jesus. Right now. Come on. Make way for our sister right here coming up. In the name of Jesus, with the baby in her hand, make way for her. Make way for the sister right there. Come on up, come on up. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Here's what the Word of God says. Listen, that's right, my brother. The Word of God says this. I want you to hear me right now. I want you to hear me. Please just listen for one more second, then we're going to pray. I said to you a week ago or so, whenever it was, I said it's one thing to pray as a parishioner. It's another one to pray as a believer and with expectation in your spirit. Those were my exact words to you. I want you now, I want you now to have expectation in your spirit right now for the person that you are praying for. Whoever you're standing in proxy for right now, I want you to have a belief right now that when you open your mouth, that the word that you speak knows exactly where to go. It knows exactly where to turn. And it knows exactly who to touch. Right now, if you're standing in proxy for somebody, I want you to lift your hands. Come on. Lift your hands and begin to proclaim that name. Begin to proclaim that name. Begin to name that issue, whatever it is. Come on, in the name of Jesus. Right now, right now, come on, right now. Come on, take authority. Take authority, whatever that is. Take authority right now. Take authority right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. You've called us out, God. You've called us out. You've called us to the kingdom. You've called us to Cincinnati. You've called us to this church. You've called us under our pastor. I got in the name of Jesus. 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 It's being received right now. It's being received right now. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes. 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 That's right, Brother Cedric. It's being manifested. It's being manifested. It's being manifested. It's that's right. That's right. That's what faith looks like. That's what faith looks like. That's what faith feels like. That's what it feels like. That's what it looks like. 
Jesus. Have you received the Holy Ghost yet? Have you received the Holy Ghost yet? God wants to give it to you if you want it. Do you believe God can feel you right now? Do you believe that God can feel you right now? This is a house. Lift your hands right now. Come on, Sister Enos. Lift your hands right now. You've already repented of your sins. Now, open your mouth. You've already repented. Come on, in the name of Jesus. Now open your mouth and begin to worship God. God has more for you than this world does. God has more for you than this world does. Get up behind Sister Connie. Come on, in the name of Jesus. Sister Catrice, come on. There's a miracle right now. Come on, in the name of Jesus. Right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. Come on. If you need a baptism of the Holy Ghost, if you've never received the Holy Ghost, never spoken tongues as the Spirit of God, give the utterance. I want you to know right now, God's going to fill you right now. God's going to fill you right now. Is there anybody here that has not received the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Lift your hands. Come on up, my brother. If there anybody else that have not received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, lift your hands. Come on up, my brother. Come on up, my brother. If your hands raised or if you're worshiping, if you're worshiping, keep on worshiping. If you want the baptism of the Holy Ghost, come on up. Come on. I need an elder. Come on, Brother Marcus. Brother Williams. Brother Hinkle. Come on right now. You've already repented the power of God. Jesus. This is what's about to happen. I want everybody to hear me. Everybody hear me that's about to receive the Holy Ghost. Because my brother here is about to receive the Holy Ghost right now. This is what I want you to do. There you go. You've already repented of your sins, my brother. Now, this is what I want you to do. As you begin to worship, this is what's happening. You're going to feel yourself wanting to say other words other than hallelujah, other than thank you, Jesus. When those words come to you, just speak them out. There may be others that are around you that may be speaking in tongues. Don't listen at them. And if you're around somebody right now and they're praying to receive the Holy Ghost, I ask that you do not speak in tongues around them because they will try to mimic you. But God's wanting to do his business in their life right now, right now. So we're going to begin to worship God right now. Begin to worship God. Hallelujah. It's the highest praise, my brother, that you can offer. Amen. And you can offer unto God. That's it right there. Hallelujah. That's right. That means, God, I'm giving you my best sacrifice. I'm giving you all of who I am. I'm giving you all of who I am. Hallelujah. Come on, right now. Hallelujah. There you go. There you go. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. In just one second. In just one second. You're going to feel you. There you go. There you go. In just one second. If you're around somebody, I want you to listen to what I'm saying. If you're around somebody that's praying, it's what I want to say. I'm going to lay my hands on your forehead, and you're going to feel the presence of God like you've never felt it before. It's not me. It's not my hands. It's a conduit that God's using for his power to be manifested in your life. Right now, there you go. Just begin to worship. You're looking. Come on, teachers. Come on, teachers. You're looking and you're listening. You're looking and you're listening. And when they begin to worship God, as your mouth begins to open, and you hear that sound from heaven has a rushing mighty wind, begin to flow out of them, you'll know because you're looking and you're listening. You're looking and you're listening. Pray with me now, Father, in the name of Jesus. Right now, my brother. Yes. 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 Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, yes. Yes, yes. yes. come on, come on. That's it right there. That's, yeah, there you go. There you go. There you go. There you go. That's it right there.